0: This is The Blood Doctor Show. On a Tuesday, bleeding into a Wednesday and typically I would have recorded on a Monday but I got a flu shot Monday because as uh, Mrs. Blood Doctor says, it's for your health, which is one of those things that's apparently important take care of yourself if you're gonna have children and all these other things. So I had a headache and I felt woozy as I was taking notes for the show, I really had no clue what was going on. So there was no show yesterday. But there is one today, leading into Wednesday. As we do. This is supposed to be a a five-day-a-week show. I don't think I've actually completed five episodes within the week yet. I've done four. But, perhaps, and I was going to wait, but I'll just... As, again, I don't even... Did we decide... What I'm calling you? Just Brittany, I know, but.
1: Uh, I, guess. Yeah. I
0: I'm, Well, your your Twitter handle is at Mrs. BDRX, so I'm just saying I don't know. I well, call I myself the blood doctor. Right. So I'm, I'm saying I don't know if you want me to call you like Mrs. The blood doctor, which is hilarious <laughs> to call someone Mrs. The. You know. I like the blood. Okay. Well, Mrs. The blood doctor is the one who's trying to make me healthy, but reasonably enough. It's a good idea to get vaccinated. I shouldn't come off as anti-vax. I just was making a joke about you want to be really healthy. But all vaccines are good. Get a vaccine. Get every vaccine. My
1: 89 year old grandmother has got COVID
0: Get the COVID vaccine. vaccine. Believe in vaccines. Don't believe in anything else. One, on medical notes. Dr. Dre had a brain aneurysm. It was horrible. However... Supposedly, he's recovering well, so that's good news. He tweeted. Well, he probably didn't tweet. But someone tweeted from his account. And also, LL Cool J said that he was doing well. I thought it was interesting that, like, LL Cool J. Like, I am very happy for anyone to say that Dr. Dre is doing well. But it was weird to me that, like, A, it was another rapper. And B, it was LL Cool J. Like, if it was kind of come from another rapper, you would think that would, like, come from Snoop or Eminem. Just honestly, like, it wasn't. I didn't expect that, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, I just, I remember when TMZ was saying Lil Wayne was about to die, you remember that, and his friends were on Twitter disputing it, and essentially this is sort of a similar situation, it's just funny that rappers break each other's news, but you know, thank god he's he's in ICU I guess, but doing well. Um, Aneurysms are very scary. And this is what I said on Twitter too, like almost all my favorite music when I was a kid was, you know, Dr. Dre. I wish I could play Dr. Dre right now. I
1: don't
0: really have license to play anything, but all of my, you know, favorite albums, you know, all my favorite songs, it's all produced by Dr. Dre. So it was just very difficult to hear that, but good to hear that he's doing well at the very least. Thank you, LL Cool J for the update and whoever tweeted from. Dr. Dre's account, I believe. I saw, and I'm sure we all have, a boatload of people really angry about the way that the college football playoff has gone. Um, and rightly so, because basically every year at this point, it's Alabama and Clemson competing. And, you know, in this case, Ohio has broken through. Last year, LSU broke through. But we've essentially got the same group of teams with, you know, Georgia broke through one time. Every now and then there's sort of an interloper. But generally, Alabama and Clemson are taking home everything. And, you know, it gets very frustrating to watch over and over the same teams win the national title. And I really do think that people who are frustrated with this, A, their right to be frustrated, cause football is broken. But B, I think a lot of those same people are probably against the solutions. Now, the first solution, as we all know, is that college football players should be paid. Now, how is this a solution to the college football playoff problem? Well, number one, you're not going to get paid by your school. You're going to get paid for your likeness. So every single kid is not going to go to Alabama because you're not going to be able to necessarily get paid as a star if you're coming off the bench as a linebacker. If you want to get paid for your likeness, it's better to start somewhere. Especially with the quarterback situation, those guys will spread out. Not that they're not necessarily always trying to play now, but there's going to be a whole lot less of just only the best players on one team. If guys have the opportunity to go somewhere else and make a lot of money from a local, you know, franchising opportunity. I mean, there are not nearly as many of competitive schools in the Pac-12 right now when it comes to football. But let's say that Hollywood is available to USC and UCLA players in terms of advertisements. That's a game changer. And it's going to allow them to compete with literally anyone. And it will change the nature of the game again. And it literally doesn't change Anything that the schools do. We're not, again, we're not paying the players through the schools. And for people who worry that we'll they'll only go to the places with the most money or parity, again, there'll be no parity or whatever. Again, the point is that the only way to be paid as a star through advertisements is to star for your team. So simply allowing guys to be paid is going to spread, will absolutely spread the talent all throughout. It will help. And then another thing, and this is something that I came up with that I think people are going to pan me for, but I really still think it's a very good idea. I think that when teams make the playoff and when they win a national championship, I think you should lose future scholarships. Now, I'm not saying that the total pool of scholarships available should be reduced. I'm saying that other teams should be allocated those scholarships. So if every team that made the playoff, for example had five of their future scholarships reallocated to the worst team in their division or conference or something. And I'm sure that there's a way to work it out. And obviously, you wouldn't take it from guys who are already signed. I'm not talking about guys coming next year and we're trying to get out, you know, we're going to take scholarship. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying if Alabama wins five national titles in seven years, it shouldn't just be that every single player goes to Alabama. It's really just not, what's the point of that? How does that work? But what if there was something like the repeater tax in the NBA? If you're not familiar with the NBA's repeater tax, what it is essentially is that if a team is in the luxury tax multiple years in a row, meaning they're paying so much money, then they will have to pay a multiple of that tax. So essentially, over time, the more times you go into the luxury tax, your bills go up, you pay more money. So it becomes more and more difficult to fill, to field an elite team. And so this is essentially what I'm talking about here is that if Alabama wins five titles, take 25 scholarships from them over a decade. And I'm not saying it will necessarily affect everything, but there has to be a way to balance things out and to give some teams, you know, a a leg up when they've just been so thoroughly dominated because we're literally at a point where Every single talented football player wants to go to Clemson and Alabama and nowhere else. Well, what if it's not always possible for them to just go to those schools? And what if another school has recruited a bunch of good players and now has a few extra slots? It just, it's a way to level the playing field a little bit. And people are going to kill me for it because it's going to be like, well, you know, you're taking away a kids' opportunity to go to school at their chosen location or whatever. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that the whole football scholarship college football system is complete bullshit anyway. You're making money off of kids and you're not paying them. You're just letting them go to school. So are some of these good schools? Sure. Some of them aren't. And not all situations are, you know, created necessarily equal. Sure. But there just needs to be some sort of balance. If we're going to give out football scholarships, We might as well have some sort of repeater tax to take some of them away from Alabama and give some of them to at least other schools in the SEC. As much as I hate to give the SEC a leg up, let's at least create competitive teams that can play with Alabama. If we're not going to give the scholarships to another school outside the SEC, let's at least raise the level of play. I'm getting tired of 59 to 9. It's getting real boring. Especially when it comes to the playoffs, there's no parity at all in college football. What's the point? There's what going to be one game. This championship game will probably be the only competitive game we've seen in, in in college football. In a, I mean, even LSU dominated last year. So it just it's just one of those things where I'm sick of all the blowouts. Everyone else is sick of all the blowouts. And if you want to just move on from those things and not have it be every single year, then you've got to create a way to sort of penalize winning. And you don't have a salary cap, so this is a way. I don't know how people respond to it, but I do think it's an interesting idea. I had a few NBA notes that I wanted to talk about the 76ers and then Zach Lowe and Victor Jefferson pretty much just did it for me in their podcast today. That's no good. That's one thing you've been around me when I've like paused Zach Lowe's podcast and said, he's going to say this. And then I like verbatim said what he was about to say because I just know him so well. You yeah. know, you've been there. You've seen it.
1: You've said it word for word before. And that, that one was really creepy. It was, it was literally word for word. I spend way too much time listening to Zach
0: Lowe (laughs) is what we're saying. I agree with that. It's definitely true. And so, but they were just essentially going into everything I wanted to say about the 76ers that, yes, they look incredibly good, but we'll have to see if it's real. The one major thing that I do think is that them starting out so well is putting a hampering on any possibility of a Ben Simmons for James Harden trade. Not that I thought that was necessarily going to happen. I don't ever... I've never really been on that, but I do think that's interesting because if that suitor is taken away, then that creates more possibility for the Warriors. We've said it a million times. I still think it's going to happen. The other thing that annoyed me—did I tell you about this? I was listening to um, the Hoop Collective. Half of my podcast is just like reviewing other people's podcasts, like especially when it comes to sports. I'm like, you know, they talk about this. I really need to stop that. But in any case. They had said they planned to talk about how good the Suns were, and then the Suns were behind by 30 to the Clippers, so they weren't going to talk about them anymore. So, like, the Sun start was negated by a poor start in the first half of a game. By the way, they erased that 30-point deficit, and they ended up losing by 5, but they were down by 2 at one point. Like, they erased the deficit. Hello, that proves they're a good team. No one wants to talk about the Suns, and I don't know how much screaming I'm going to have to do. You said it. What did you say? That
1: no one is going to, like, get care about them until they already have proven that they're, like...
0: Right. No one's going to give I, them respect until they earn it. Yeah. It sucks.
1: No one's going to be looking at them as, like, a possible, like, be in the playoffs until they're in the playoffs. And, like, they matter. Like,
0: And I know that he's over the hill, but I still thought that the Chris Paul addition... Like, people went over the fucking moon when Mike Conley was traded to Utah last year. Mike Conley has never been an all-star. Chris Paul was an All NBA player last year, and so I thought people would have some sort of wow, Chris Paul and Devin. And it's really just been, well, we'll see. And I've like people are like they'll be in the play-in tournament. Man, fuck that! It's so ridiculous. I I I don't even want to talk about it. I've I've talked about them so much. The other thing I wanted to mention, one good news thing that that has happened this season in this this weirdness, I think we've seen that injuries are, especially the ones that we consider major, career-ending, they're starting to change. Because Kevin Durant tears his Achilles. Now, I mean, they can't necessarily defend, but, I mean, he's been... Offensively, he's throwing down dunks, he's shooting. He looks like Kevin Durant. And another guy who's starting to finally round into form is Victor Oladipo. Oladipo didn't look good when he came back. He didn't look good in the bubble. I mean... He looked alright in the first couple games to start this season, but he looked poor in the preseason. Like, it was rough for a while. And there was a whole lot of, oh, Oladipo's done, it's over, and he scored 25 points in his last game. He's starting to, he's back to averaging like 25-5, and so not perfectly efficient, but he's getting there for the first time in a couple of years. And John Wall looks like John Wall. Again, Maybe some defense and lateral quickness is lost, but he's exploding to the rim in the way that he used to. Maybe not quite dunking with the authority he used to. But the point is, some of these injuries were considered, you know, devastating career-ending injuries. And some of it was that we looked at it through the lens of, you know, people talked about Dominique Wilkins and Kobe when they tore their Achilles. Those guys were older. So some of this is, you know, Kevin Durant is younger. I understand all those things. But we are now seeing guys come back from career-ending, what were previously considered career-ending injuries, and not only performing at a high level, but in the case of Kevin Durant, looking like still an all-pro. And so if the one thing we can take away from what a horrendous – you know, year 2020 was, at the very least heading into 2021, it does seem like we're seeing a significant increase in the ability of guys to come back. And given how much we all hate injuries, that's a phenomenal thing. And I do think that bodes well for Clay Thompson returning, even if, you know, multiple injuries, multiple years in a row, who knows how long it'll take him to return to form. We're seeing some of these guys come back. I do think The Kevin Durant model also shows how much rushing back is a bad idea. KD didn't play for like 530 days. That's a very long time. He didn't even consider coming back early. He never considered rushing back. And he shouldn't have. And now he's able to play like himself again. And I think that too often... I mean, I always think of the story when Isaiah Thomas, sister, dies in a car crash. He's playing through a hip injury. And the Celtics trade him in the offseason anyway. They dumped him. Well, they dumped him to the Cavs. You know, technically a contender, but LeBron was about to leave and that all fell apart. But the point is, he loved Boston and they didn't give a shit. You know, injuries have been such a horrendous thing for guys that it changes the course of what your franchise thinks of you. And suddenly they're looking to move on from you and replace you and now... Kevin Durant got a full max. I know it's Kevin Durant, it's different, but he gets a full max even when he's injured, takes the time, gets back to healthy, and now he's back on a team that may contend. And he's 31, so it's no small feat. And it just bodes well for the future of the NBA when the NFL is constantly riddled with you know Whatever the newest problem with CTE is, it just bodes well for the future of the league that these injuries that were once absolutely going to destroy your career, um, no longer so. A couple other interesting things today on the betting front. We're seeing, again, the whole home team thing. There's no home court advantage anymore, really, uh, especially in the NBA. It's just it's really not there right now without fans. I like Spurs plus 9.5 and, and Bulls plus 9.5. They both covered those. I think they both won today. And it's just... uh, It's very interesting. I really do think that we're seeing the way that officials are impacted by fans. That is gone now. And it's just guys playing in a gym. And the bubble, they were smaller gyms, so it was even more so. But I think even now, in these empty arenas, it just... The role players play better on the road. The pressure's off. And it, it does create a scenario in which I think we're seeing who actually is the most talented team and not who necessarily has the best fan base. I mean, we just, we do see the star calls in the NBA. And in my opinion, they've gone down a little bit. You don't see nearly as many just egregious, oh my God, he touched him. It's a foul. It's much less annoying. And road teams are able to get the job done now in ways that they never could before. They're able to close. So it's very interesting. I think that has a lot to do with role-player success without fans around. There's a lot of factors. But when fans return, how will that shift the league back? You know, these are just trends. But in terms of gambling, I think when fans start to return, you're going to see a massive shift in home court advantage. So when fans return, definitely hit those... uh just take the points with the home team, whatever it is. Going through, as we reach football season, are you excited to talk 90 Day Fiance, though? I am. That is really, truly the most important part, though, honestly, of any any one of these shows, is, is 90 Day Fiance. And you know what? We'll do that now. I. I... I don't really have a lot of words for what's going on this season. Like, it does seem to me... Okay, true or false, the people on the show are getting worse.
1: They're getting more eccentric, yeah. I mean, i go with that.
0: Okay, but so is, is eccentric worse? I'm asking worse, not eccentric. Yes or no?
1: It doesn't have to be worse, but in this case it is.
0: I mean, right, it doesn't have to be. But I'm saying right now, like, this is one of... Everyone is, like, awful. Like, I, I don't even know how to... I don't even know where to begin. Like, I I literally... Like, I was sitting here. I was making my notes for the episode. And I was like, well, we should start here. And then I was like, no, we should start. No, we should start. And I, I truly don't know because they're just all so terrible. Natalie complains about everything. Jovi is a monster. I just don't even... I don't even know.
1: We should take a moment to talk about the couple that wasn't on tonight.
0: And I really want to know what's going on with them. Adam and Amira. And Amira was the one who was flying... From France. Flying from France to Mexico. Because her boyfriend, the genius, who's an American, decided that they could get around the COVID protocol by essentially sneaking her into the United States. So she was going to fly from France to Mexico. They were going to stay there for two weeks together and then essentially just go to the United States. So... We were trying to figure out, we were talking, and we were like, why would she have been detained? Because
1: we, that was, she ended up being detained at She, the airport, she was detained yeah.
0: in Mexico. She never, well, she she made it to Mexico, but did not make it to, she had a, she was detained in Mexico City, but they were going somewhere else or something, right?
1: Right. She was supposed to get on, like, I believe, a continuing flight to meet him, wherever right. they were, yeah.
0: And so she never makes it. And so we were sitting there like...
1: What happened? Like, you know, I I was trying to figure, I'm like, well, what on earth could it be be that I was like, well, you know, I was looking up, like, relations because she's part Egyptian. Like, I was looking up, like, oh, is there, like, what are the relations between Egypt and, you know, Mexico? I'm trying to think of a reasonable reason why they would stop her.
0: Right. Like, is there any sort of, like, and apparently there is, so, so she's half Egyptian and apparently there's some issue between... Egypt and Mexico with uh, some I, I don't just there's an issue between countries I don't know all the domestic they politics call it of acts it
1: acts of terrorism beto- upon their uh, tourists
0: okay so that's a whole other geopolitical issue but apparently there's some issue between Mexico and Egypt and then we just stop for a minute and we're like okay so wait so her boyfriend her genius boyfriend gets her to buy a one way ticket to Mexico and then they're buying another one-way ticket from Mexico to the United States in the middle of a pandemic. And we just realized, like, if she just told the border people the truth, that's exactly why they detained her. (laughs) Like, she has a one-way ticket. She has a passport from a country that they have travel issues with. And she's trying to openly, like, saying she's trying to avoid a travel ban. Like, her boyfriend's a moron. He's, like, abusive. He talked her into all the... You can see she doesn't want to do it. You can see she thinks she it's a horrible it idea. All. Yeah, and he's making her do it.
1: Well, it's like, okay, when, when there's a travel ban, like, I think that it's reasonable to believe that they would give an extension on the visa when the travel ban was up.
0: Right, like, their issue is if their visa expires, she won't be able to come to the United States. And so they're rushing to get her to the United States through this loophole that he supposedly read about on the internet. Because, of course, the internet, no one on a message board would ever lie.
1: All right. Well, it's like, the other thing is, okay, yeah, she when she stopped, all right, what are you doing here? Well, oh, me and my fiancé, we're just going to uh, stay here for 14 days, and then we're going to go to the U.S. And they're like, what? And they're like, so we did this we go around the travel ban, like, I know that's the thing. If she,
0: if she said any of that, if she said, I have a one way ticket because I don't plan to return to France. I pan, I plan to go to the United States. Just you.
1: Well, they're like, why didn't you go to the U S and stay here? Oh, they wouldn't let me. So I had to go here first. So they would get around it. it. Like any, any amount of
0: any amount of truth. They're literally trying to break laws about travel during a pandemic. So any amount of truth she'd have been completely screwed and yeah. if she lied then i don't know what you say i'm here on business but yeah. i have no intention of returning home
1: well it's like it seemed like she needed to be told like to lie if she needed to you know what i mean she doesn't seem like she was like on point with like oh i'm doing i'm doing she something. seems like
0: she seems like an honest person who wouldn't want to lie anyway
1: right she was uncomfortable with it for a reason
0: yeah and it's all her boyfriend and that guy is
1: very like he's very controlling and very pushy, and he tries to hide it.
0: Yep.
1: Like under this guise of look at me, I run a daycare. I wear you know I wear a dra- dragon or whatever dinosaur hoodies. Like he he's tries to present himself as childlike and fun because he's very uptight and controlling.
0: Yeah. And he he and he tries to what well, and
1: wolf in sheep's clothing.
0: Literally. Yes. And also, don't you feel like he talks to her like a kid? Like, some of the things, and not necessarily on camera. He's good about protecting himself from that. But, like, the things that she was saying that he said to her, like, if you don't come to the United States, you won't show, or you show me you don't love me or something. Like, dude, that's completely insane.
1: Well, we saw that exchange with his sister. And he was very condescending.
0: About her, you mean?
1: To his sister, like, when I mean, she was trying to talk to him about things he was kind of condescending to her.
0: You just think it's his entire personality, even outside the relationship. Yeah. I, I mean.
1: I think I, that's just who he is as a person who's trying to hide it because he knows it's going on TV. But, like, I think he's very, because his sister was like, oh, you're very particular about, because she knows he's very, very pretty, particular about things. Well,
0: and I think the whole, you know, he can hide that well working with children, you know. Because he can tell them what to do. and
1: Well, right. And then, like, you know, there, there's, it's organized chaos. That's the thing about, like, you know, children. It's organized chaos. And it helps you deal better with chaos in the real world. Absolutely. So, I mean, I don't think he's, like, an evil person. I think he's just far more controlling and uptight than he, even he thinks. Sure. And, and And I don't think he even realizes the extent of what he's doing is abusive.
0: Yeah, okay. Like, for example... What Jovi did... Jovi's a fucking monster. What Jovi did is... Well, okay. What Adam did in forcing... uh, I think her name is Amira. What he did forcing her to travel was horrendous. But ultimately, he was like there waiting for her. What Jovi did, which is with his fiance Yara...
1: They revealed tonight. uh, The other night, night. when We
0: missed it, yeah. But she... Lost her passport, right?
1: Right. They were in was it Albania? I think Albania.
0: They were traveling. He she's from Ukraine. He's from the United States, and they were traveling together in Albania. She was pregnant at the time.
1: Right, and they were getting engaged.
0: They were engaged to
1: do the visa, right? Because she was pregnant, right? Then she had the miscarriage, right. and she needed to have the her DNC basically before she got her- septic.
0: She had her, she, medical terms, what, she needed to have her what now?
1: Dilation and curettage. It's basically where they go in and scoop out the endometrial lining and, and, and
0: Maybe dead, I shouldn't have asked for clarity.
1: The dead baby. They, they take out all the, all the cells. So
0: major surgery, essentially, what we're talking about it, here. It's,
1: it's outpatient surgery. I mean, I.
0: Okay, but there's no way, it's not dental surgery. I mean, it's, it's serious stuff
1: right i mean you got to
0: take it easy for a while okay for so, a few weeks yeah so oh okay so yeah to me that's it's fairly major but regardless she's in a foreign country she loses her passport she has a miscarriage and then he fucking leaves her there
1: knowing that she has to have surgery still
0: yeah after she Without had the miscarriage a passport. with no passport when
1: she's at her most emotionally vulnerable he
0: leaves her he fucking leaves her because he has to work.
1: So we wonder why she's got this attitude towards him and has these negative feelings towards him. There it is.
0: I And we have been sitting here talking about... Like, oh, I, she's, she's so, so Yeah, she's so particular. She's so rude. She hates New Orleans. She's so... Well, you know, I think she has a pretty goddamn good reason.
1: At her moment when she needed him the absolute most, he ditched her.
0: I mean... There is probably, there is probably truly no moment other than, I mean, I guess the death of a child that is, you know, been living. After you have a miscarriage, you need your partner. And it just, for him to not only leave her after a miscarriage, but without a passport in a foreign country, needing surgery, like, what kind of person? Like, what kind of person? Like, I can't even... I can't even, I just can't even fathom that kind of thing.
1: And that's the thing is that he had to go to work. She said she had just, two more days, two more days. Right. That was all she wanted him to do was ask to go on to work two days later. And he was like, well, I don't see that as a big enough reason. Right. You don't see the loss of your child as a big enough reason.
0: And he also argued with her about what the doctor told her about, like, her surgery and how safe it was it's like dude i think she probably was more clear with her doctor on what her situation was than you were since you literally bolted like you haven't shown any ability to take responsibility how are we supposed to believe that you know anything about anything
1: well i mean it's one of those things that it's 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 routine almost i guess is what you would say in in my my experience i I, I was okay, like, I, I w- it wasn't bad, but, like, okay, I, a friend of a friend recently, she had one, and it was, like, two months later, and she was still, like, bleeding, like, because they had effed it up, basically, and so, it, it's one of those things that, when it goes wrong, I mean, you risk losing your ability to have kids forever, kind of thing, like, it's, it, it is scary. As a woman, it, like, who wants to have family and children like that, like, that is scary having to do
0: that. And he just walked away from all of that because, well, I love working on the boats. Like, I just, I hate his folksy southern...
1: Where he couldn't even push it back two days for her.
0: Well, I just, you know, I thought he was a chill dude and, oh, he's so cool, he's so laid back. Or and then you find out, oh, he's so laid like... back, he left his woman. Or he... he
1: had some of that, like, uh chivalry like you know like that did he, did southern, he seem like that's like sort that of. southern charm like the chivalry like
0: yeah
1: no man like it, it,
0: I just, no I agree no I completely agree
1: and, shame shame just man and, and well and and for him to he's about to leave right this is their situation he's about to be gone for, what, six six weeks or eight weeks or something like that? So it's like one or two months after she's already unhappy. And you know what? Okay, I hate how much she hates on New Orleans. Like, I really do Ugh. not like... A, that really bothers me. Ugh. But I also understand she's not a person who does, likes that. It's not her scene. It, it, and you know what? I, I Because New Orleans isn't for everyone. Sure. There has been another couple... On a previous season, that was had also in New Orleans, and they left for a different place because she was uncomfortable.
0: She was uh, Thai, yeah. So I felt like that was a little more reasonable than a woman from Ukraine, like trying to say that New Orleans is. She called it a village. I'm just like, (laughs) oh
1: my god, yet. Well, and just dirty, and just the way she talks about it, I'm not, I don't, well, okay. Well, just
0: Ukraine is, I've been, Ukraine (laughs) is less of a, I've been to these parts of the world, and just Ukraine is much less of a culture shock than Thailand. The difference between, you know, New Orleans and, you know, the Thai countryside are very different, and she was basically trying to act like there's no parts of Europe that are, you know, like a dirty city, and I'm just sorry, that's, she just kind of, but again, now we understand why she was acting this way because she's upset with everything else. And
1: well, the, no, and the other comment she made is that she's like she belongs to be, she needs to be best friends with Kim Kardashian <laughs> and stuff. Like she, she, the, like okay, she wants to move to L.A. That's what she really wants.
0: Yeah. Did you see Kim Kardashian and Kanye are getting divorced? Oh, I didn't see that. That's the rumor. Finally, Kim Kardashian is single. <laughs> I've been waiting.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, right. If <laughs> you, you would never be like, I don't know, you slept with Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I the thing is is like I really liked Kanye. Like I started to really like Kanye a lot, and then he like started to like love Donald Trump and then it just all became wrong. Anyway, um <laughs> Rebecca and Zed are just kind of boring to me now. Like I, I want good things for them. Like, I don't really have anything negative. I do think that Zed is going to have trouble adjusting to... Because, like, you know, he can't even handle guys looking at his girlfriend. I don't know how he's going to handle, like, her talking to men here. Like, if they go to a bar. Like, I don't know how that's all going to work. Because he was very... I mean, he almost punched that one dude for looking at her. So I just wonder how it's going to go when she dresses how she wants. But I generally just think It'll be fine between them. Like, I, well, I he, want good things for them, but they just kind of bore me. Like, I don't
1: know. Well, I, I think that once he, like, gets here, it's going to be a little bit more, like, there will be more drama. It's because he's not here yet. Like, sure. in, in, in the storyline, it's it's not, like, he's getting on the airplane, and, like, you know, I think it's just, it's going to be different when he gets there. And I think, well... Boring as it is, I I feel like there's going to be some uncomfortable kind of, like, mother-son type vibe between them in some ways.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, she did... She bought him the PlayStation, and she was like, he can, like, buy games online on there. Like, it felt like a, a mom buying a gift for her kids and, like, asking I mean, I bought you
1: <laughs> an Xbox, but... <laughs> That's true. That's
0: true. That's fair. You're right. It just... The way you knew exactly what to buy me because you had played it with me and you intended to play games with me and stuff. Yeah. She had, like, no clue. She was like... Because remember, she went in the store. What a
1: guy of this age yeah. likes
0: <laughs> to play. She goes to the store and she's like, my boyfriend... She's like, I'm, like, 49. My boyfriend's, like, your age. She's, like, 28 or whatever. And she's like, he's, like, your age. What do guys your age like to play? And it just felt like, like that's the way our mother or a grandmother... Well, that's...
1: <laughs> Okay, that's I, if your mom asks me, like, what you like to have for presents, and that's like what I'm sometimes, and I'm just, I could totally, like, I could totally buy that. Your mom being like, what would someone at this age like, you know, like, you know, in yeah, gamestop or something? It's not, I not, would totally buy that.
0: It's not what she bought him. It's just the manner in which she went about it, having to ask someone at the game store based on their relative age proximity to her boyfriend who she has none. It's just funny, like...
1: Well, the girl was definitely not even that old. She was younger, I think. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They like, were, much
1: younger, like, probably, like, teenage younger. And so she's like, you're closer than I am. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it just, it really was funny. And, but, like, I have no, like, I don't care. Like, more power to them. Dude, I, 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 I'm just saying, like, all of the episodes right now are, like, he didn't get his visa, and then he did get his visa, and now he has his visa, and it's like, okay, so, like, just don't show them, like, why are they showing this to us? Like, just show something else. I don't understand. I don't understand the point of, like, showing all this before he even gets here. Like, I I just truly really don't understand. Because
1: their biggest problem once they get there is that once he's there, their biggest problem is going to... Not be the necessarily the fighting, it's that he's going to be sitting all day on their bed, on the floor, playing his new game system. (laughs) Or. (laughs) That's all he's going to
0: do. Do you know what the other answer to that is? That they broke up really quickly and they're stretching this out because he already left really fast. Like, that's a possibility. I'm just saying. Or.
1: I hope not, though. Well,
0: it's also possible that things went so incredibly well for them that all of the drama was before he got there. Like, remember...
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, their biggest problem is that he's going to be playing his game system too much. Like, it's going to be something silly. like, trivial.
0: Well, but remember, though, they had that, like, 90-day, the first 24 hours thing? And, like, it really just turned out to be, like, couples who had literally no drama. So they didn't want to follow them. But they still had, like, all of the pre-interviews where they're like, I don't know, my family might hate them. But then they all got there and everything was fine. So they just didn't follow them. But they just made, like... All They made it in short episodes out of the pre-interview drama. And I just feel like that's what these people are. But, okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We have to talk about... This was the high point of this episode for me. In a previous season, uh, T- Tariq and Hazel.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: Tariq is from Virginia Beach. And,
1: I'm scared of your church. Uh,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Tariq is from... Virginia Beach, Hazel's from the Philippines, and when he went to see her in the Philippines, she took him to his, her church, and it's like one of these like
1: Pentecostal,
0: well, I don't know well,
1: what. Well, you know what I mean? It's like when you, when you. It's like
0: the church of Borat, okay. they're there speaking in tongues. And okay. It's like
1: when you, the whole, like, whole thing is like, you think you're gonna have to eat a live chicken kind well, of thing. Well, no, like but it's a Christian. makes you think of. No, but it's a
0: Christian church, is the thing. It's a It's a Christian church. And they're speaking in tongues, and, like, it's just, like, the whole, it's just, it's a Christian church, is the thing. Like, they're not, it, it, they're they're doing the whole, it's literally the exact same thing as the church in Borat. When he goes to the southern, and the southern preacher's on stage, and they're speaking in tongues, it's literally the exact if same thing. If it
1: was in English, it would have been my stepmother at church, so with the hands up, and, like, that, that was what she used to do. She used so, to hold her hands up and
0: close so, her eyes. So, Tariq is not religious, and... He's okay. like freaked out by all these people speaking in tongues and all this stuff. And so, fast forward now to Hazel coming to the US, and she asks him, She's like, You're scared of church. And like Brittany said a minute ago, he's like, I'm not scared of church, I'm scared of your church. And then he says, Let me take you to my meditation and healing place to ARE. And she's like, It's not a church. He says, No, it's not a church. So he it's takes her,
1: spiritual he says,
0: It's a spiritual center. So he says, So he goes to take her and, you know, meditation spiritual center. No, and
1: you, you casually joked that it was a cult.
0: I made a joke that it was a cult just because it was. But I actually, the thing is, there are a lot of places that are just like a place where you go and just individually worship and no one bothers you about what it is. Right. Those places do exist. Meditation
1: so, centers, like, yeah.
0: So I did allow for the possibility that that's what it was. But so he takes her there. And they start going through. And first, it's like, what was it? The Edgar Casey Center for Whatever. ARE. Yeah. The, but so no, that's what
1: it's called, it's the ARE.
0: So, so it's just, it's already weird that it's named after a guy. Because that just seems like, if it's really not about anything, why is it named after someone? It's like how everything in Scientology is named after L. Ron Hubbard. So that right there was. But so anyway, they go in, and the place is weird. And then they go in this room, and they're like, here's the couch. And Hazel's like, what couch? And she's like...
1: There's a giant crystal there. There's
0: a giant crystal. And she's like, what's the couch? And the guy's like, oh, well, this is where he would lay down and sleep and make his psychic readings. The Edgar Casey guy. So Tariq. So I just want to map out <laughs> Tariq's thought process. He said to her that he wanted to take her to this place to see if she wanted to get married there because he was scared of her church where they spoke in tongues. So here was Tariq's... Her Christian So So here's Tariq's thought process. Oh, I don't like this church that she goes to. They're very strange. I don't like their the things that they think it's bizarre. I need to show her a way to true belief. I'm going to take her to my psychic. <laughs> like, like in what world? Like how is that a thing? in the area. Like, well, how is that a thing? Like, this speaking in tongues is nuts. We need to see my psychic. Like, I just don't. <laughs> un- I just don't understand. Like, how do you? How do you arrive there?
1: Well, and like I don't know. Like, here is the thing. Like, it was a. He took her out to this garden. There was this like dolphin and this maze thing from straight out of uh, Westworld. Like. Westworld season one with the maze that was like all over this place, and it's like the path to like enlightenment or whatever. And, Like I swear, I'm telling you, this guy stole it from Westworld. But
0: <laughs> you're going really deep there <laughs> at this point. Like you're you're really. He getting had into it. the
1: maze on the dolphin, and it was the path to enlightenment. It was just symmetry, okay. But and so it was really pretty. So I can understand if he's like, okay, this is a pretty place to get married.
0: I was on board. Until they started talking about the psychic <laughs> Come on Again, I he know. literally was like, well, this Christian church is nuts. My psychic is much more sane. And also thought that that argument was going to work on her. I I just, like, the thing is, is like, I had already turned on Tariq. Because he had an Ohio sticker on the back of his car. And so I had already decided I didn't like him. But this just made me, and I'm not trying to, I mean, if you believe in psychics... Or tarot readings or whatever. I'm not even trying to. That's fine. I don't care what anyone believes. I'm just saying that Tariq was literally saying that her beliefs were nuts and then took her to a psychic. Like, how do you? I don't, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you call a Mormon insane and then take him to a Scientologist. I don't know how you do these things. Like, even if we all think whoever's individual beliefs are, are nutty or whatever, like, how do you? Tell someone else that their beliefs are insane and then take them to your place and be like, you just need to believe the thing that I believe that's outside the box. Like, I don't just let it go. Yeah. Just let it go. And, you know, she wants to get married in a church. He doesn't. She's moving to the U.S. away from her kid. I think you can marry her in a church, even if they speak tongues.
1: It's the one thing she's asked
0: for. Even if they speak in tongues, just let them do it. Like, does it really affect you?
1: It's the one thing. It's
0: very funny. It is the only thing she's asked for. And again, she left her son. She's moving here to be with him. I do feel like it's unreasonable to just not give her one thing. Even if they speak in tongues.
1: And and she's about to take on being a parent to an... Like a step parent to an autistic child. Right. That that Not that it's like, oh, that's unreasonable or that's a lot to ask. It, it's just... It's an undertaking. Like, that's something that she's going to have to...
0: She has to learn about it.
1: He has his one thing. His one thing is you have to get along with my autistic child. I feel like her wanting to have her one thing be that she wants to have her wedding in a church.
0: She she left is fine, and she left her child to essentially help him parent his. Yeah, that's a large sacrifice. So I just think again, even if just giggle at them, it'll be funny. You know, you just let it yeah. go. Yeah, and then the last thing, Brandon and Julia. Oh,
1: oh we my God. Right now.
0: Oh, right. Natalie and Michael. Well, I mentioned I mentioned earlier. Natalie just... I don't understand why her and Mike are together. Natalie just hates everything. She hates Washington. She hates Mike's job. She hates what he does. She hates how he spends his time. She hates the way he spends his free... She just hates everything about him. He well, like, eats meat. He drinks alcohol. Do you
1: think that this is why she's divorced? Is because with her last husband, she thought I can make him who I want him to be? Like, because that's really what she's doing again. Is she, she doesn't like Mike, at all. She's like him
0: at all. That's the thing. Like, if you just want someone who's like you, who's a vegan, who doesn't, who's a teetotaler, doesn't drink all this, that's fine. But, like, why are you trying to make Mike. She's like, I love Mike. I just don't love anything about him. Like, wh- what is one thing? I truly have no clue what their connection is. It sex. Like, it just must be that they enjoy sleeping together because I just don't. She all she does is complain- and maybe it's just all they show us, but I don't see how because even in her interviews all she does is complain about him, yeah,
1: she's so negative all
0: the time I you know Mike doesn't believe in God, and I want to have kids, and I want this, and she he doesn't want that and she his just
1: cat. she
0: yes, yeah, she hates his cat, she hates his house she made his uncle move out, like she's just the worst, she's just the worst, I don't like Natalie at all, and I just don't understand like what I don't get it I mean for one thing, she did just show up without telling him. You know, and that is part of, I feel like, why he's putting up with this is because he didn't anticipate her coming. I mean, she didn't show up. She told him she was coming, but she bought a ticket without telling him. But she made his uncle move out. She hates the farm. She hates where he lives. She hates where he does. Like, just find someone else.
1: Him messing with her about the eating meat thing is pretty funny, though. Oh, we're going to start. I'll start tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, this is my week on. Like, you know what I mean? That was.
0: He said he was going to stop eating meat. He decided, he's like, I'll start tomorrow, I'll take a week off, and then the next day he wanted to eat meat. Which, by the way, is exactly how I would have handled that. And the other thing, too, that we both agreed on, like, if she's, if she's like, you can't eat meat, you can't eat meat, it's just eat meat at lunch. Like, she he works away from her. Yeah. Just eat lunch. Just eat meat at lunch on the week that she's making you not... Like, just honestly, like, if she's so controlling that she has to control your meals at home, then just do whatever you want for lunch. and Just don't tell her. Like... Just truthfully, oh, I ate a cheeseburger. Is that the end of the world, really? Because if eating a cheeseburger behind the back of your controlling vegan vegetarian girlfriend makes you a bad person, then call me a bad person, because that's what I would do. I wouldn't even bother.
1: And you could tell she totally thought this trip was, like, going to get her, like, he was going to propose again, and then... Oh, yeah, and the root beer thing. I don't believe you. It's alcohol. Oh, Yeah, she wouldn't drink a
0: root beer float because the word beer was in the name and she was convinced there was alcohol in it. She's just insufferable. She's just an insufferable person. And I just don't understand. I don't, like, I don't understand why Mike likes her because she's insufferable. And I don't understand why she likes Mike because she doesn't like him. She doesn't want any of the things that are him. She just wants him to change completely. I truly don't get it.
1: Yeah. I don't either. I don't either. It's because people don't change. It's like, you can't change people. You just can't. They no. Never she, change.
0: No, and she wants to change every single thing about him. And then the last two, Brandon and Julia, they go to dinner mm-hmm. with Grandpa.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the first time that Julia, this girl from Russia, is going to meet Brandon's grandfather. Her Russia? grandfather, like, fucking hits on her.
1: Well, first she had to do all the chores around feed all the animals. That was the first thing, isn't it? This
0: girl is a go-go dancer from Russia, and they're making her do, like, farm chores, like feed the pigs.
1: And and, so it was, like, shocker, not a shocker that, you know, that night she's like, I'm never feeding the pigs again. (laughs) I'm like, well, okay, like, I can't blame her because I would be, like, uncomfortable with it, too. Like, I don't like feeding, I wouldn't want to feed pigs.
0: And they misled her. They misled her because... He made it seem like, oh, it's life on the farm. You won't have to do a lot. You might have to help a little bit. There's a couple of things here and there, but I'll still be there. And then he's, like, gone 12 hours a day working. And he made it seem like he and his parents run a farm, and that's what they do. And then it turns out that they all have full-time jobs elsewhere, and they basically expect her and this other family friend to do all the farming work, which is not what they told her. So, like you said, they're basically just trying to, like, outsource free farm labor to his girlfriend. Like, it's right. ludicrous. They're
1: like, I, I seriously, I think his parents are like, oh, well, he, he spent a lot of money on her. This is how we get it back now. Yeah. And also, I, I, I think, think the mom think. is secretly like, this is how I run her off. The mom is like, I'll, I'll throw everything at her and she'll oh. just go home. Well,
0: they are running her off.
1: Oh, absolutely. And he's he's getting angry about it. You could see he's about to break.
0: Those two have no chance to make it. Unless he just moves out of his parents' house.
1: And he might. He might, though. Do you see how he's about to break?
0: If you're... Like, the thing is... If he met a farm... Like, there's... I don't care about people living with family members. Not even going to comment on my living situation. But let's just say I'm not in any position to talk down to anyone. That's not what I'm doing at all. You want to live with your family? Fantastic. But don't tell someone that their life will be one thing. And then trap them into being an employee... That's a ludicrous thing to do. She thought she was going to be living in a farm and seeing what that was like. Not working 12 hours a day on a farm. That's yeah. so not...
1: She said she's living her nightmare.
0: Yeah. She said she's living her nightmare. She literally said that. And it's... She wants to go home. He's like, her first day here, she already wants to go home. Yeah, dude, because you, it's not your employee.
1: And then after leaving her alone all day, he, he says, oh, yeah, we still have to go to dinner with my parents and my grandpa.
0: And they've had dinner with her, like, every single night since they've gotten to the United States. They went on a trip together when she first got to the United States with her parents, with his parents, and they went to dinner every night. And it's just, like, at a certain point, like, number one, this guy clearly belongs on I Love a Mama's Boy. Oh, my god! Like, they're on the wrong show, which is another phenomenal show on TLC. Listen, if you're not watching the reality shows of TLC... (laughs) And WE tv, Love After Lockup, we'll talk about on Friday. If you're not watching these reality shows, I don't know what to tell you. Because it's just the best of ugly Americans meeting rude people who hate Americans. And then for some reason deciding to marry each other. And it's just wonderful. And in Love After Lockup, instead of foreign people, it's people coming out of jail. And in I Love a Mama's Boy, it's guys obsessed with their moms just watch more reality tv because I promise you it's going to make you feel better about you that's true that's the key
1: so dinner with grandpa
0: dinner with grandpa
1: you were you were going to tell them what happened at,
0: dinner, with grandpa. dinner with
1: grandpa so <laughs> pop pop that was his name by the way
0: they literally and put, i know <laughs> you know the fact that you have pop pop the fact that you call pop pop tells me that you're not ready um But he, his mom looks at her neck. The kid's mom, Brandon's mom, looks at Julia's neck. And she's like, what is that? And she realizes that the kid gave his girlfriend a hickey. And the mom feels the need to like point it out. And she's like, why would you do that? And then well, the grandfather when goes, that, was,
1: When did that happen? Yeah, I mean, when did that happen?
0: And then the cause grandfather, Cause you haven't
1: been cheering a bedroom.
0: And the, yeah, cause they're making him sleep in different rooms. It's just absolutely ludicrous. He's 27. And in any case, the grandfather goes, Leave him alone. He's like, I'd still want to kiss a young girl on the neck like that if I could. This dude's like 80 something. Like basically hitting on his girlfriend, who, by the way, she didn't complain about it.
1: Well, right, but because he's trying to trap her, he's trying to be like, "I'm old and I have all the money, so you marry me instead of my grandson." <laughs> That's totally what I was thinking. And then he's going to be like, "I've got you, you gold digger!" <laughs> like he wants, he's waiting to catch her in the act. That's like,
0: totally what I was thinking too. But I think he would sleep with her first. But she didn't. But, compl- but she didn't complain about. This about point. But she didn't complain about him flirting with her. Like no. never, not one time. She didn't well, complain. because
1: with. it's someone being nice to her.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're all so mean to her. They are so mean. Well, we'll have to see what happens next week. But... That'll be good. You're coming back for Love After Lockup on Friday?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, we will miss you until then. Come
1: well, with a dog,
0: too. So. I know. Goodbye, dog. The dog is here. She's leaving, too. We have a studio dog. And now we're going to talk football. All right.
1: That's fun.
0: Devontae Smith... Wins the Heisman. Pretty crazy. Anytime that uh, a non-quarterback wins it. But well-deserved. An amazing player. He'll be playing on Sundays. And um, probably the least shocking Heisman. um, You know, it was one of those things. Because the Heisman ceremony was virtual. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of fanfare. Um, But truthfully... You know, it's not something that really, you know, there was no question he was going to win. And so, um, exciting for him get another Heisman winner for the Crimson Tide. Black Monday was upon us in the NFL. Obviously, we all know that uh, O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, Dan Quinn already fired. Joining them were Adam Gase, Doug Marone, and Anthony Lynn. No shocks, really. Um, No surprising coaching moves. No real surprising fires. Some people were a little shocked that the Eagles kept Doug Peterson. Um, You know, that Super Bowl win buys you a lot of, a whole lot of goodwill. I mean, it just really does. And, you know, another season like this, and it's, Probably over. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Carson Wentz. They keep Peterson. They move on from Wentz. Is Jalen Hurts the guy? Can they restructure the contract in a way that makes a trade more palatable? The Eagles will be a very interesting offseason team. And definitely, I think they could be a team that's primed for a coaching change next year. But, you know, they're going to be a team that's trying to figure out a way to navigate cap hell. And, you know, adding, navigating, coaching hell to that right now is probably not the best thing to do. And, you know, again, when you've never won a Super Bowl, when you finally win one as a coach for a franchise that had never won one, they're going to be really hard-pressed to throw you away. Adam Gase being fired by the Jets is fantastic, and I hope that I never have to hear about this guy again. Doug Marone. Whatever. Didn't do a whole lot. Advanced to an AFC championship, almost got to a Super Bowl, but Tom Brady Tom Brady'd him. The Anthony Lynn firing I don't really understand. He's not the best coach in the world, he's made some mistakes. But I don't understand what was expected of him. Playing with the rookie quarterback and going seven and nine, like is that really bad? And we all know that African American coaches and executives are given um less of a leash less of a leash. In the NFL and in the NBA, really. And I just don't understand that firing. That to me just reeks of, well, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't really understand the point of firing Anthony Lynn. Like, again, he's not the best coach in the world, but he just took a tough situation and really made the best of it. I'm just, I'm really hard pressed to believe that a coach should be fired after you know, a rookie season, uh, a rookie quarterback season. It's it's tough to do that. And I know we that Arizona fired Steve Wilkes, and everything about that situation was bad. His coordinators were bad. The roster was bad. You know, he was set up to fail and he did. But again, he was a black coach who didn't even get a second chance. Anthony Lynn, only one chance with this rookie quarterback. You know, the team... Was moving on from Phillip Rivers for the first time in, you know, 15 years or whatever. It's going to take a minute. And I'm just disappointed when we just continue to see this stuff happen. I think Anthony Lynn's a good coach. I don't think he deserves to be fired. Nick Casario is hired as the Texans GM. Don't understand this move. You know, the New England media can sit here and spin it, it is so wonderful. Blah, blah, etc. But um, as Nick Casario gained more power with the Patriots, the Patriots got worse. Sure, he's been around for a long time, but the Patriots' last couple Super Bowl wins were built on veterans from the early 2010s. If you look at the last few Patriots' drafts, it's bad. And that's one thing I wanted to talk about with Bill Belichick You know, I defended him for so long. I, you know, I never said that he was above criticism, but I would say that we should just trust the guy who brought us all these wins and all these Super Bowls, and because he is the best coach of all time. And there is a certain point where people should just stop questioning everything you do. But I think the point that I missed is that it is true that when eventually you have so much power and so much control that it's hard for you to really listen when your sons are working for you and everyone around you is someone you hired and someone you drafted and everything is so perfect and everything has always gone your way. Sometimes it just starts to fall apart a little bit, especially when the linchpin to it all was actually Tom Brady, not Bill Belichick. And I think that that's what people missed. And I said it and it came true. And now Tom Brady Is competing for another Super Bowl while the the Patriots are going to retool. And so I don't understand why the Texans look at all that and say, oh, you know, we want that. Especially given that Bill O'Brien was a guy who, when he was hired to the uh, Texans, had spent some time with the Patriots. So it's weird to me that they would then want to bring in more Patriots people. Now, Jack Easterby, who's sort of somehow running the franchise, even though he has no football experience. I wish I could get Shalise Manza-Young on the podcast so we could talk about how ridiculous it is that that guy even has a job. But in any case, two random Patriots guys who don't really deserve any credit have now taken over for the Texans. Like, Why? I, just, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. I feel bad for Houston sports fans in general. It's a shitty time to be a Houston sports fan, and it wasn't 12 months ago. And I just don't think this move is any good. Bill O'Brien fucked his team up so long that it's going to take a genius to fix it, and I don't... This guy's not a genius. Speaking of not a genius, I'm curious if people view... The John Gruden experiment is a failure. Because... Where are we? Like, where are we on John Gruden? Like, really? Like, the results have been, eh. He's kind of done it with Derek Carr. The Khalil Mack trade was loved by analytics people. They're just... It just... I don't... I'm not saying it's failed, but... How long does he get? Does he get, like, five years to rebuild? I mean, the Raiders were doing better before he showed up, really. And, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe something goes wrong here and there. Or something goes, you know, I, I don't care. I mean, you are what your record says you are. And I just don't really know. I just, I don't, under, I know the least is long because... Mark Davis will never fire him, and he's, you know, John Gruden's got such a huge contract. I understand all those things, but I'm just curious, like, when do we as fans just be like, you know, fans of football, just be like, all right, well, we're not going to take the Raiders seriously. They're you know, just kind of whatever. They're just there. Sometimes they play well. Sometimes they don't. It's very weird. The Cardinals, some people have said that Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury should be fired. They won't be. But there's some logic to them being fired. They got to be fired together. You can't let Steve Kime hire yet another coach if you've decided that Kingsbury's not the guy. And I think ultimately why that's, they're both going to get another season. They're going to get a year to get this right with the Cardinals. Kime's going to get a chance to You know, make a couple more picks. Kingsbury's going to have to get this team to the playoffs. And if they do, then they'll be fine. But if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs next year, both of those guys will be fired. For sure. The argument for firing them right now makes some sense. Don't ruin Kyler Murray. Don't prolong a bad thing. You know, I understand all those things. But I think the simple fact of the matter is that you knew it was going to take Cliff Kingsbury a minute. And you knew it was going to take Kyler Murray a minute. And if they believe in each other, you might as well let it ride for one more year. I'm not a Steve Keim fan at all. I don't like all the moves he's made. But the DeAndre Hopkins trade was a phenomenal one. And I think, given all the turnover that this team has faced, I'm on the side of, let's give everyone one more season. I think they're making the right choice. I think it was the Cardinals receivers coach tweeted that Larry Fitzgerald was retiring and then they kind of walked that back. But it seems like he may. My nephew asked me, is Larry Fitzgerald one of the best receivers of all time or is he on the list of best receiver all time? And the answer is no. Larry Fitzgerald is a lot like Kobe Bryant. He's an incredibly good player who, while being consistently great, was maybe never necessarily the best receiver in the league. Kobe was always in the top two, three, four players. But there are there were always other phenomenal players, and it's not it was never Kobe was never the best player in the NBA in the way that Michael Jordan was, where it was so far and away clear that he was the best player in the NBA. Now, through the 8 011 Seasons, you know, you can make some arguments there. LeBron was coming up, Dirk hit his, you know, high point. You know, Kobe was the consistently best player over that stretch. You know, Lakers fans will hate me, whatever. I'm just saying that in the way that you can make arguments against Kobe never having really, or you can make the argument that Kobe was never necessarily the best player in the league at any given time. You can always make that argument about Fitz, too. Like, he was always in the top. He's right up there. But he was never really the best. He's one of the best all time. One of the most consistent players. And maybe if he had played with better teams, his numbers would have been better than who knows. He did have a lot of great seasons with subpar quarterbacks. But you take the most money possible, you make those choices. And if Larry Fitzgerald does retire, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. It's too bad things went like this for him, but that's how it goes. In terms of NFL MVP, I really feel like Derrick Henry is a name that needs to be out there. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it. Running backs typically never win MVP anymore, but where would the Titans be without Derrick Henry? Their defense is atrocious. Ryan Tannehill's good. They've got solid receivers. But Derrick Henry is their closer. I mean, he's a monster. He's unstoppable. And the Titans are nothing without him. And I don't know what the definition of MVP is, but if your team falls apart without you, that's pretty MVP to me. It's going to go to Mahomes or Rodgers, and it shouldn't. It should go to Derrick Henry. Second, it should go to Tom Brady. Taking a franchise that's been garbage forever and turning it into a contender in one season with no offseason and no preseason and you know minimal training camp. I mean, come on. It's incredible. Rodgers is probably going to win it just because of his numbers, and fine, whatever. But Derrick Henry and Tom Brady are more deserving and mean more to their team. If you're going to tell me that the Packers would completely fall apart without Aaron Rodgers, I'll listen to that argument. If you're going to tell me that, you know, Mahomes is the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL, he's, you know, coming off that season and, you know, coming off, you know, a a Super Bowl season and, you know, 14 and 2, I'll listen to these arguments. But I think Andy Reid can scheme pretty well without Pat Mahomes. He can't do the same things, but I think they'd survive. And I think that there are, I mean, the Packers drafted Jordan Love for a reason. I think the Packers might be all right. But I think both the Buccaneers and Titans would be in the tank without their two guys. I'm biased. Absolutely. Take that for what it may. Going to be really interesting. I mentioned before there's going to be a lot of quarterback moves this offseason. Some really interesting ones um, that I would like to see. I think Jimmy G going back to the Pats would be interesting. Um, It's a little boring in some ways just because he's going back, but... You know, Bill supposedly wanted to keep Jimmy G and get rid of Tom Brady. Well, let's see what you can do, old-timer. Let's see. Philip Rivers retires. Um, for some reason, I could see like Derek Carr going to the Colts. Not going to cost a lot of money. Frank Reich feels like he could fix anyone. They've been rumored as a Carson Wentz station, Maybe. I don't know. Um, I do think that Wentz, wherever he goes, they're going to fail. I would love for Wentz to somehow end up with... Jets or something like that would be like my perfect marriage of hatred Uh, but it would also be really funny if the Jags skipped on Trevor Lawrence and and, and Trevor Lawrence still ended up with the Jets. I've seen a few people try to suggest that Fields is going to get moved ahead of Lawrence. I don't really I'm wondering if people might just outthink themselves a little bit here but I mean Trevor Lawrence hasn't exactly lit the world on fire in his last couple of playoff appearances so I do kind of wonder just a little bit. It's in my mind And then as far as coaching notes go, most attractive NFL job. I think the Jags are pretty interesting as a really attractive job. You get to draft Trevor Lawrence. It's a no-brainer pick. There's no media in Jacksonville. No one cares. So even if you struggle, it's not like being in New York. Um, I just think that's a really good job to take over. Um, I think the Houston job would be good because of Deshaun Watson, but I think that you just hate everyone working for that franchise. And I think the Falcons' job is decent, the Lions' job is decent, but they sort of come with questions about what do I do with the quarterback, are we rebuilding, are we retooling? And the Jags thing, you pretty much get a clean slate. You just coach for three years and you know, go from there and figure it out. And then as far as the least attractive NFL job, it's the fucking Jets, so of course it's the Jets. There's <laughs> no question. And then last thing I'll say in this episode that I just wanted to make fun of, I heard... This is a rumor from the interwebs, and I don't remember where it was from, so whatever. But I saw a rumor that said Urban Meyer wanted $12 million to coach the NFL. <laughs> good luck, buddy. Good luck getting $12 million, and good luck to someone who thinks that that dude would be a successful NFL coach. I'm sorry, but. Oh. There's no recruiting in the NFL. I respect Urban Meyer he's a good coach but it's not going to happen and it's definitely not going to happen that way and uh, if the Cowboys really want to move on from Mike McCarthy Lincoln Riley and that's the Blunt Doctor Show don't forget to like, rate, subscribe leave a comment because you love me leave a comment if you hate me that's fine too Actually, don't leave a comment if you hate me. Just keep that shit to yourself. If you can't say nothing nice, keep that shit to yourself. That's what my mom used to say. She was pretty sick like that. Peace.